Welcome to episode four of the Foundations of Sports podcast, where we present the people in sports who make a positive impact on and off the field and who are leaders by example through their actions. I'm your host, Chris Horrigan, and thank you for joining us. First, just want to say thank you to all of you who've supported Foundations of Sports during our launch of our first three episodes. I really appreciate your time and efforts. And if you're new to us, check out the first three episodes with Katie Galley, Ross Bernstein, and Darren Roberts. On today's episode, we have Coach Chris Speary with us. Chris has been involved in the game of baseball for over 25 years as a player, including at the college level and at the minor leagues with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He transitions to coaching in American Legion, junior college, assistant college, and then was for 18 years the head coach at his alma mater at the University of Portland. He now runs Speary Baseball Life, which provides skill instruction, college life guidance, and youth coach mentoring. I found out about Coach Speary when my dad sent me an article titled 17 Inches that Coach wrote and posted on his website. In today's episode, we discuss the metaphor of home plate for life and the importance of keeping home plate at 17 inches, translating to being accountable to yourself and your teammates and connecting the lessons learned on the baseball diamond to everyday life. We also discuss the importance of being a big league person every day and player and personal development beyond baseball. Also, who would Coach have on his expansion team? And Coach uses the analogy of hardware and software to speak about not only the physical five tools necessary on the baseball field, but what characteristics are necessary to use every ounce of your potential on and off the field. Sit back and enjoy this episode with Coach Speary. We're excited today to have Coach Speary on Foundations of Sports. Coach, Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. I'm flattered to be with you today. Tell us about your journey in the game of baseball as a player, a coach, and now creator of baseball life. Well, uh, I say I grew up in a baseball family, and and uh, when I say that, it's different than you know, like the Ripkins or something like that, where all of us played professionally, but. My dad was a youth coach here in the Pacific Northwest in the in the town of Vancouver, Washington, where I grew up and still live today. And uh, had three older siblings, two of two of which were were boys, and he coached both of them. And uh, I was the youngest. And you know, he, our family had a busy life, and uh, my dad was stretched thin. Uh, with with his business and with the time he took to coach my two brothers. And so uh, as badly as I wanted to start playing as early as I could, I, I didn't uh, start playing Little League until I was 10 years old because there just there wasn't uh, enough time for, for them to, my folks, to run another child in a different direction. Sure. So I hung out in the uh, in the dugouts a lot where my older brothers were playing and it was a it was a phenomenal experience. I was in love with the game from an early age, and I I, uh, I, I thank my my dad, my brothers for that. And uh, I just had a passion to learn it, and that dugout was a great place to learn it. And of course, I'd I'd beg any of the older boys that weren't actually in the game to play catch with me sure. behind the dugout. And once <laughs> in a while, I'd get lucky, that sort of thing. But, um, Anyway, the, the love affair with the game began early, and uh, it's something that my family continues to share. My dad is uh, 85 years old now, about to be 86 and uh, next month. Awesome. And um, 
my two brothers are diehard Chicago Cubs fans, even though we've, uh, well, they, they, when they were young, they lived for a short time in Chicago. I, my family had moved out here before uh, to the, to uh, Washington state before I was born. So, uh, I don't quite share the same connection with, yeah. the, with the Cubs that they do, but certainly, uh, understand their passion and was happy to see the Cubs win the world series. And anyway, I, as I got to high school, um, my dad recognized that it was time for me to play for other people. And gosh, I was so blessed to, uh, to have had just terrific high school coaches and American Legion coaches. Uh, my, my high school coaches, Ron Franklin and Oh, wow. um, Don Freeman were, were outstanding. And then um, I was really strongly influenced by my American Legion coaches, a guy named Kurt Daniels and a guy named uh, Greg Hopkins. Uh, Kurt has passed now, and, and uh, Hoppy is a, uh, got a World Series ring with the Cubs as a scout last year. So um, he's still uh, involved in the game. And uh, I knew that... Uh, by the, by the influence that those men had on me and uh, the impact they had on my life that I, I wanted to be a coach someday. And I could hope that, uh, I would, I would uh, have the opportunity to make a young guy feel uh, about me the way that I felt about the great coaches that I had in my life. Mm, That's awesome. And there's something to be said for that kind of giving back, uh, to a game and to helping others. And there, there's something to be said for that, especially such a special game as baseball. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's been a great ride, and uh, you know, I'm just indebted to to other people for for all that they gave to the game, and many of whom are continuing to give to the game. And uh, I was just lucky to be one of the kids that uh, was in the right place at the right time to be around them. Absolutely. Now, on your website, SpearyBaseballLife.com, you talk about your goal of navigating a path that leads others to their big league. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, you know, um, I was a guy that, uh, like everybody I knew and played with and everybody I ever recruited and coached at the college level that had dreams of playing Major League Baseball. And um, After one year in the, in the minor leagues with the, the Dodgers organization, I was no longer wanted. And uh, it, it just occurred to me that there's there's got to be something – else that we get out of the game because we we spend so much time with it um and yet i think it's about seven percent of the high school players in america will play in college at least in an ncaa school so um you know it's a great pursuit i i am a strong advocate for that i spent a lot of time training young kids and uh, have many of them that have that dream and and yet i I want them to be prepared, even though we may not uh, you know burst their bubble we, we, we I want them to be prepared uh, just in case they're one of the ninety three percent that don't make a big league paycheck sure. and uh, you know most of us are going to be done playing baseball when we're in high school if we're lucky it's in college like me I had one year of pro ball i'm twenty three or twenty four years old and it's over and you've got so much life yet to live. And I just want kids to have a backup plan as they're pursuing their, their, uh, their athletic goals, uh, and, and dreams and absolutely chase that because, you know, somebody's going to make it, somebody's got to get through the cracks and everybody who got through the cracks was facing the same odds. So it's, it's a great pursuit. 
But I think having a backup plan, which to me uh, is some sort of education, just in case things don't work out, so that you have an opportunity to spend all those working years that most of us are going to have left doing something that you truly, truly enjoy. Um, and, and that's really what that's about is, you know, whether your big league is as a firefighter or as a country musician, musician, uh, or as a business person or a lawyer. And I have, I have coached all of, all of those that have gone on to, uh, to those fields and many others. Um, it's very rewarding to see them happy and productive in life and, uh, you know, being big league dads and husbands and, and members of their communities. Very well said. Like you said, it's create your own big league and, and it's something to be said for chasing a dream. Uh, but it's also something to be said to have a backup plan and still chase those dreams, even though it might be a different occupation or different career, as well as being, uh, like you said, a, a big league person and a big league dad. And, right. and, and that's really something to be said. And, and on your website, another thing that really stood out is that you kind of focus on player and personal development as it pertains to life in and beyond sports. And that really stood out on, on your website of kind of something that you try to help uh, you know, your players with. And it's something to be said for that. Yeah, and I, and I think it, here again, it, it goes back to what we were just speaking about, and, and that is that uh, they're going to, I mean, even athlete, even as the, uh, while they're living their athletic years, um, they play many roles. You know, they're, they're more than just athletes. And then someday that, that athletic, uh, that uniform is going to come off our back and, and we're going to uh, dedicate our time fully to other roles. And, you know, it's, that can be a hard thing. I, I can't tell you how many 22-year-old college graduates that uh, I've hugged and because they've played their last game with us, and they don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. You know, all they've ever done is go to school and play baseball or other sports, and um, that's that's a tough thing. And, uh, you know, I just hope that along the way throughout my coaching that I've um, encouraged them to do well in school and and to let them know that uh, life can be very rewarding, as we say, in and outside of baseball. Absolutely. Now, there was a particular coach that I know had an impact on your career. And the, the story of meeting Coach Scalinas at the ABCA convention, what was the mm -hmm. impact that he had on you? And what was that story <laughs> when you met him? You know, that was uh, 22 years later um, that... That event, uh, which was the 1996 American Baseball Coaches Association Convention, it just continues to, to ring true for me. Um, I had flown to Nashville. I was coaching at a small uh, community college in Centralia, Washington at the time. Had heard about the ABCA convention, and uh, but had never been. And um, So I made the trip. I was by myself, and I was checking in. The, uh, at the at the desk there at this beautiful hotel in Nashville, and um, I saw other coaches around. There were tons of them that were checking in, like me, and they were looking at the uh, printed uh, convention materials, and in particular, they're looking at the speaker lineup. And I heard people commenting, "Oh, John Scalinos is here!" You know, it's worth the money spent on the trip already. You know, hmm. I, I never heard of Coach Scalinos, and. Yeah. Uh, I, I sort of stuck in the back of my mind, but you know, not too much. Anyway, I was, I was very good at, uh, for, for 20 years of attending that conference of, 
getting up early and finding a seat near the front row. Um, and uh, that was that the convention that started that habit for me. And uh, you know, the first day I got the seat I wanted. And after lunch, I got the same seat. And uh, the next morning I had the same seat. And uh, I came in after lunch thinking I'd have the same seat. And the room was just packed. And uh, so I'm kind of frustrated with myself because I feel unprepared now. I don't have the seat I want. I got to sit way in the back and start thumbing through the printed material. And I see that John Scalinos is first speaker after lunch. So, man, this guy, he must be special. Yeah. Anyway, he he uh, he spoke about um, something that uh, he, he drew an analogy between the width of home plate, which at every level of baseball from little league to the big leagues is 17 inches and it never changes. And, um, and, and the accountability that we require of ourselves as coaches and adults and of uh, our players and the people around us and the organizations that we're a part of. And, um, you know, he, he made the point that with a big league pitcher, who can't throw the ball over 17 inches, they don't widen the plate for him. No. They don't say, you know, we'll make it 18 or 20 or 25 inches for you. Uh, everybody's held to the same standard. And um, he went on to correlate that to things that were going on in our country at the time. One was uh, the mess that the Catholic church was in and uh, with the sexual scandal and, um, uh, school, the school system, and the way we parent today, and and all of them, and certainly our government is, you know, it's just it's one example after another of widening home plate and tolerating things that we shouldn't tolerate. And uh, that was my first experience where, you know, I'm at a convention going to learn about how to teach kids to throw a better curveball or, you know, bunt the ball better, or whatever technical skills that. Um, you know, I needed as a young coach and man, here's this old man who's been coaching forever and he's old as dirt and he is connecting the game to life. And he's just really making sense to me. And, uh, that was an impactful experience for me. Um, you know, to be honest, I never got closer than uh, my seat to the, to, to the stage. And believe me, when I tell you, I was, I was, uh, uh, quite a ways back. Yeah. Um, but boy, I admired him so much and I started reading about him and, you know, it was a couple, two, three years ago, I sat down and was thinking about him. He had passed and I wrote about this, uh, speech that he gave and, you know, the message was to stay at 17 inches, hold yourself to high standards and hold the others around you to high standards. And, I posted it on my blog on the website and, uh, it, it just, you know, it started going around the country and I started hearing from men and women, um, young and old inside of baseball, outside of baseball. I heard from the Scalinos family, which was really special to me. They were appreciative that, uh, there was someone that was remembering, uh, John in, in a, such a positive way. And, you know, Red Robin uh, store managers and military and police and firefighters. And it, it, it just was, a, it was a story that he told that I recalled in writing that resonated with, with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's something that I'm, I'm proud to have written. I, I have to say that I've, I've seen it come back to me. I've had friends send me the story 
Oh, and that's so, great. You know, hey, you should read this and you'll enjoy it. Where my my name has been stripped from the from the uh, yeah, I wrote it. So um, anyway, it was it was a it was a like I say it was an impactful thing, a great message that applies to to everybody in every area of our life. Uh, it really, uh, when you read the article on SpearyBaseballLife.com, it, like you said, it stresses accountability and it goes beyond just playing the game, wins and losses, what's the, the scoreboard look like? And it really goes down to the little things and the attention to detail, the focus and, and caring about one another on your team. And, and that really translates into the field of play. And, uh, it, it's a great article. It's 17 inches. And, uh, my dad had sent it to me and, and that's how I found out about you. Uh, it was a oh. wonderful article. And, uh, I, that I do enjoy the fact too, that it bounced back to you from some of your friends saying, you need to read this when you, you actually read what the post that that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My dad, a friend of my dad's, uh, sent it to him and I had a gal uh, in Southern Oregon send it to me, and, you know, so it's, we've had some laughs. It's a little, it's, uh, uh, you know, when you, when you write something, you put something, your name on it, you know, you like it. You like to have credit for it, I guess. But yeah, anyway, probably being probably being silly, but anyway. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a good story, but a lot out of that article. And um, I'd like to get into a, a fun question that kind of delves into your coaching and who you've kind of uh, come upon through your years. Is um, hypothetically, if uh, Major League Baseball called you and said uh, we're starting an expansion team and we want you to manage the team. Which player for, from any level, active, retired, would you choose to, to start the team with and, and make them the captain? Mm. Well, that's a great question. And I, I guess I would answer that um, this way. I, I, I coached college baseball for 20 years and uh, college coaches are so busy with their own clubs. And when they're not with their own clubs, they're recruiting for the future clubs. And uh, at the time, I was raising three daughters and I had a wife and still have a wife, happy to say. Um, and I just didn't have time to watch a lot of Major League Baseball. So uh, if we were to answer that question, um, I would either have to go back in time when I was able to watch as a younger person and I would answer that by saying uh, probably somebody like Nolan Ryan, okay. who, uh, you know, I was never a pitcher, and I it's, it took me time to realize the importance of pitching. And certainly as a coach, I came to realize that my best teams, we had great pitching. And so I would start, I would want to have an ace pitcher to build my club around, and Nolan Ryan was not only an ace, but... Um, somebody who from a distance appears to be an ace of a human being too. And just, you know, that Texas tough, um, hard nosed. I love the fact that when I watched him on television and the few times I saw him in person, you just couldn't tell by watching his uh, mannerisms or his facial expressions. If he was getting his tail kicked in in the <laughs> second inning or he was throwing another no hitter. And, uh, you know, he was just, uh, he was a great competitor. He was at the top of the sport uh, in, in his years and played for a long time, you know. Um, but then uh, then I think about the, the guys that are much, much closer to me. Um, 
Rocky Gale just signed uh, a minor league contract with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Rocky was a catcher of mine and uh, um, has been with the Padres since 2010, I think Rocky signed and uh, just got released out of spring training, was picked up by the Dodgers. And, you know, he's a wonderful story. His dad's a pro scout. Um, Guys like Kyle Krause and, Eric Hole that pitched, uh, played in the big leagues a little bit, and uh, Steve Jackson, Brian Derringer, and Owen Jones, and Riley Hendricks, and Kevin Armillo, and Brock Griffin, and you know a whole bunch of players that that played for me. Um, you know, th- those are the guys that I'm closest to, sure. I know the most about, and the ones that I really spend time thinking about. And I could go on listing many that I, you know, I just don't have time to list yeah. here today. But you know, th- those are the ones that. You know, when I think about starting a team, I think, well, I'd like to have, yeah, I'd like to have Nolan Ryan, but I'd also like to have Kyle Krause on the mound too, and Rocky Gale catching him, and you know, those those, those kids that when you're in the trenches with guys um, for as many years as I was, it's you you build really strong relationships, and when they've given you everything that they have, uh, they're the first ones you think about. Absolutely, and all those players you you listed and from Nolan Ryan to, to Rocky, to Owen, to everyone that, that played for you, they, they have those intangibles and, and sometimes you can't measure it. And I heard Harold Reynolds speaking on MLB Network o- over the season when they were talking about all the Saber metrics and the different uh, numbers that are involved uh-huh. in the game. And they were uh-huh. actually talking about Todd Frazier. And this is before he signed with the Mets. And he said, he had a great quote. I was actually walking into the gym when this was on and I stopped and he, and he, he said, you can measure all these numbers and you can do different things, but you can't measure the intangibles of what someone brings in the late summer months in August to the locker room and on the field yeah, and, the really work, and the work ethic. Exactly. And, and that's what those players that, that you had stated, that kind of reminded me of that quote from, from Harold Reynolds, because you can't measure those things, but you just know it, it, it's a guy helping yeah. someone out, maybe off the field, or maybe uh, someone just staying a couple extra minutes late to work on hitting that curveball. And it, it's really um, a, a testament to all that. And you can't measure it, but they are truly the ones that wear the C and are, are the captain. So uh, uh, a truly, I, I look forward to this expansion team because I think that the names you listed are going to compete <laughs> with, uh, you know, all, all, the, all the Astros and the Cubs and hopefully my Mets at some point. So uh, uh, good answer. Excellent. Excellent answer. So we, we talk about these intangibles, coach, right? And um, before every game, when you coached and uh, you had a scorecard, a manager's card with that that lineup. Now I'm going to say a little something, I'll ask you a little something different. On that scorecard, instead of a lineup, it's your game plan for achievement and helping others. What's on that scorecard? What What are the intangibles? Oh boy. Um, so, so the intangibles that I want, would want others to have and develop. Exactly. Boy, um, there's so many things, you know, integrity, um, doing what you say you're going to do, accountability, a willingness to to be responsible. Things are things are not always going to go your way. And uh, I'm a I'm a testament to that. Um, You're going to fail. And 
boy, I'd want you to, I'd want you to be able to take a punch in life and get yourself back up off the map. I think that's really important. I think that handling, handling what, you know, the, the small doses of success that, that we are afforded, uh, in the game, learning how to handle those with humility and, uh, class and, uh, you know, developing a work ethic and, 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 and yet, uh, and this is probably something I was not very good at, but keeping, keeping your sport in perspective in, in the big picture of your life, because it's really only one role that you play. And, um, your identity is, I was always too wrapped up in that, you know, that with baseball defining my, my identity and, and it go, it went as a, you know, as it goes back to, as a player, if I got the hit at the right time, then I was a good person. I wasn't just yeah. a good player. I was a good person. And as a coach, you know, now you're, now you're depending on a 20 year old kid to get to do the hardest thing in all of sports at exactly the right time so that you get a run across the plate and win a game. And if you do, then you're a good person. And that's just not true. And, and you know, intellectually, I understand that, but you know, those are things I struggled with and things that I would want, I would want uh, people to pursue their, their uh, athletic achievement and still keep, uh, you know, a better sense of balance in their life than, than maybe I was able to do for so many years. Sure. But all of those things I think are, you know, they're, they're all important They're I think in terms of, of hardware and software, to use a computer analogy and, and the hardware is how well you throw and run and hit and hit with power and how well you pay, play defense. Those, those, uh, those five tools that major league scouts evaluate players on. Um, and then the software side is all the, you know, the, the toughness and the work ethic and the ability to deal with failure and, uh, the ability to be a good teammate and, you know, all of those other things that I think are, are so important. And I think of a guy like, uh, Dustin Pedroia, you yes. know, um, you know, he's five foot six or five foot seven and weighs 165 pounds or something. And, you know, if you're a scout, it's probably hard to, to sell your organization on this guy having great hardware, but his software is off the charts. So he gets every bit of his hardware out of himself just about every day. And there, you know, I've known many players who had great, great hardware, but they had lousy software. So they didn't play up to their potential very often. Um, if you remember David Eckstein that played with the angels and maybe the, with the Phillies, I think he won a world series with both of them. And, you know, he was, he was a great player, but he didn't have tools. You know, he, he could barely throw the ball across the infield. And as I recall, watching him on TV, um, not very big, you know, not a powerful bat, but I'll tell you what, he was a winner and he got everything out of himself. And I admire people, him included, uh, people like that so much because, they just bring so much to the table and they set such a good example for everybody in the clubhouse. Yeah. I I really like your analogy of the hardware and software. I I think it really rings true that you need both to be successful, not only in the game of baseball, which, you know, you hear the analogies and we hear them all the time. You fail seven out of 10 times. You're a great hitter. And not only that, but off the field, 
And you mm-hmm. kind of summarize a lot of characteristics that, that are necessary. And they're all necessary to be not only a, a good player, uh, but, but a great teammate. But it really comes down to heart. And your, your examples of Dustin Pajoyer, David Eckstein, and you look at all the successful, not only players, but the successful teammates in sports throughout the years. They all had that hardware but they had the software and it worked together. Mm-hmm. I, I really in, enjoy that analogy. And that's what we kind of try to put forward at Foundations of Sports is, is positivity. And it's the same with your website and what you have going on at Baseball Life is it's positivity and trying to do the right thing, be a good teammate and, and in turn doing the right thing. And, and, and it's really rings home. So I, I enjoy that analogy very much. And you know, the thing is that all of those software pieces are things that those are things you take with you when you leave that locker room for the last time. True. And you can use them uh, in every area of your life. You know, the, the fact that you can hit a home run is, you know, the value in that is going to end when you play your last game, but being a good teammate, you, you know, you're a firefighter. You, you better, you're going to need good teammates in that world. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's called the ultimate team sport. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? I have two former players who are, who are firefighters, one in uh, Arizona and one in uh, the Seattle area. And they absolutely love it. And and the reason that they love it is uh, one of the reasons that they love it is because it, it's so similar. They tell me to what they did their entire lives in terms of training and, uh, working on a common goal and uh, working together with, with people that, you know, they may not be your best friends. You, you may have to tolerate some things, but when it's game on, it's game on together. And they, they just, they love that profession. It's like you, like you said, it's the ultimate team effort and every sport is and, and anything in life to be successful, you have to be part of a team. You can't do it by yourself. Even people in individual sports, whether you're a golfer or a tennis player, you just don't go out there by yourself. You have so many people who helped you get to that point and it um, really resonates home. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets lost uh, in sports. And I think that's kind of what we try to put forth today. And, uh, heart and team, you start there and you put a work ethic to, to that, you know, you might not be the best player, but you can work towards that goal and it's, it's nothing's given. And it really, really, uh, really hits home. Well, it's, that's absolutely true. And if you, if you, uh, if you add that software package to a high performing, uh, hardware system, meaning a player who's got the right talent to play the game. Uh, now you're talking about a really, really special player. Absolutely. And I'm going to kind of, uh, take off from that hardware software analogy and I'm going to uh, put a quote out from your website, but I'm, I'm going to start out with, uh, we had Ross Bernstein on episode two and Ross is a sports author. He's a, a speaker, but he's the president of the Herb Brooks foundation, coach Brooks, the, the USA mm. hockey coach. Mm-hmm. And sure. co- oh, yeah. co- coach Brooks had a quote and it's, it's one of my favorite is the name on the front of the Jersey is more important than the name in the back. And you have a very similar quote in terms of meeting on, on your website it, is it says the name on the front of the jersey represents who you play for. The name in the back represents who raised you. Do them both justice. From the hardware software standpoint, tell me a little bit about that quote, how we can all learn from that. 
Well, you know, I, you know, when when we are uh, part of a team, and and most of us are in some areas of our lives, um, it, it's it's best when we can fully commit to the team and the shared goals of the team and team members and coaches. Um, when everybody's on the same page, I think I think great things can happen. And as as a coach, I spent many years trying to assemble players that I could get to buy into that notion that, that, uh, it's not about you. It is about us and we, and what we are trying to do, uh, as a team, which was always trying to pursue a championship, which, you know, it's very difficult to do. And, uh, I was, I was never successful in, uh, in achieving that goal uh, at the levels that I coached, um, in spite of trying for many, many years. Um, and some of that may be not having the right players. Some of that may be, uh, mistakes that I made along the way. And some of that may be, um, having people who, uh, at times maybe couldn't buy into the, the name on the front of the Jersey being the most important thing. Um, that's, that's one side of that, uh, of that quote. The other sure. side of the quote is, uh, you know, your name on the back and, um, you know, I, I I think that the the most important team that I have, have ever been a part of has been my family. First, sure. first the, the family I was born into, and now the family that uh, you know our girls are our, our youngest two girls are in college, so we're nearly up empty nesters. But, okay. Um. You know, I I feel that I grew up in in a wonderful household, and I'm very grateful to my parents for the lessons that they taught me. And uh, I've always wanted to act and and achieve in a way that that made them that made them proud. I wanted to, you know, I, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want to to behave in a manner um, that would cause them to, you know, just be embarrassed, I guess, you know, I, I wanted them to be proud. I wanted them to know that, uh, that, that my life was a reflection of the lessons that they taught and whether I'm playing baseball, I want to, I want to demonstrate on the baseball field, the, the lessons that I've observed my parents uh, live and teach uh, for hard work and commitment and discipline and enduring struggles, which, you know, my parents did. And, um, you know, that to me, that's, that's what that's, but that's the most important team that you're ever going to be on is your family. That's the way I feel. Oh, well said. And really you, you can't say much more to that is like you said, your family is your ultimate team and you have a variety of other teams in your lives. And, uh, I, that's the first time, you know, we're, obviously we're focused on the team concept and the name in the front. And I really enjoy Coach Brooks and, and his different uh, sayings and, and certainly uh, his coaching. And then when you parallel that and combine that with what you have on your site is that you represent your family every time you, you go out the door. And there's something mm-hmm. to be said for that. And uh, whether it's, you know, a civilian life or certainly, you know, as a ball player, that name speaks volumes and, 
the the hard work, the the work ethic, but also the sportsmanship that you show, uh, extending a hand mm-hmm. to help someone off the ground, maybe another uh, a player from another team, or or helping someone up, whatever it is, or just shaking hands at the end. It's something to be said, and a very powerful quote. You know, the, the first time that I heard somebody um, use that quote was was uh, Tommy Lasorda. And he, he spoke at a, a banquet that I hosted a number of years ago now. And, uh, and he said it. And, uh, you know, it, it just it resonated with me that how hard we work as coaches to try to get everybody pulling on the same end of the rope. And um, we're stronger together. And everybody's just a cog in the wheel. We're not the wheel itself. And, you know, all, all those things. And we were in the office a week or two later. And my pitching coach, a guy named Larry Cassian, um, we were talking about recruiting. And he said, you know, when kids are looking at colleges, uh, they're, they're trying to decide where they should go to school, they better, they better think about the name on the back and whether or not it fits inside the name on the front. Interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of taking this in a different direction, but, um, it, you know, that was also profound to me because – if the reason you're going to school A is because your dad went there or because they won a national championship or you love the color of their uniforms, um, those may not be good reasons for you to go there. They may not offer your major. Um, it may be too expensive for your family. They may be six deep at the position you play and you're, you know, you're not going to see the field. Um, so, you know, we, we always, and I, you know, the kids that I counsel today that are uh, college bound, I, I want them to think about, uh, before they make that commitment, because once they make that commitment, I want them in with both feet. Sure. I think that's part of the software package, but as they're considering their options, do everything you can to see if you're, if the name on the back of the Jersey fits inside the name on the front, because it's over so fast, Chris, it's, you know, four, four years is done in in the blink of an eye. I'm at, I'm at an age where I can, you know, fully appreciate that. When I was a younger man, it didn't mean anything to me now, but uh, now it, now it really does. Um, and that four year college experience is going to be over quickly. And, uh, you know, I think the best experience is one where you start and end at the same school for all four years and, uh, you know, hopefully you get a chance to play and you earn a degree that's meaningful to you. That's the backup plan. Um, you know, so yeah, that that's a much more appealing experience than one in which, you know, you transfer twice or three times and you never really settle in. Absolutely. And, and you, you talk about college recruiting there and you, you talk, I mean, uh, so many gems in what you said there. You offer a lot of services on Speary Baseball Life. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you help uh, college athletes and high school baseball players. T- tell us what the services that you do offer on your website. Well, uh, there's sort of three components that, that uh, we offer uh, on our website. One is uh, and the thing that keeps me busiest is is just hands-on training with uh, players that are high school age on down to as young as 10 years old. And um, the second thing that uh, that I have tried to do is some assistance to the local youth coaching uh, market here. 
And uh, the third thing is just use 25 years of, of experience in the business and having been a, a Division One recruiter and a junior college recruiter and um, having some experience and some knowledge about NCAA rules, um, uh, you know, try to try to try to uh, make my experience useful to to others who might be heading down a road that they likely know nothing about. And uh, I don't I don't as as things have developed over time, I don't do a ton of that uh, as a as a part of the baseball work that I do, but. Uh, I do do some, and um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share that experience with with families that are interested. Uh, your website's a great resource for any baseball player at any age. I mean, there, there's so much there from the articles to the different things that you do do, and I, I certainly recommend it to anyone in sports looking to learn. And we've talked about so many gems today, um, but and specifically uh, any baseball player, uh, whether you're five ten. 15 or looking into college and even at the minor professional league level there there's so much good stuff on on your site highly recommended so we're going to finish up here and uh i always like to use at this part a sports analogy so what i'm going to say is that we're in extra innings and uh we're down a run and we, we need to get two runs across with a home team and, we, and we, we need to push two across to win and i'm going to start with a, a, a fun question and it involves just sports in general if you could pick any sports event that you would like to attend that you haven't been to yet in any location who is playing and who are you tailgating with before the game <laughs> oh man uh well, the sporting event would, there's no question that the sporting event would be the Olympic downhill. Oh, wow. And it could be, it could be either the men's or women's. I don't care, but I am a, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of the, uh, winter Olympic games in particular. And the downhill is two minutes of sheer terror, man. So, <laughs> uh, that would be the event. I would hope it would be. Um, maybe in, uh, Austria or, you know, somewhere where those, those very famous, uh, maybe the Alps, uh, one of those European, uh, villages where that might host. Um, and what was the last part of the sure, question? And, and who, who you ta- tailgate with? with before the event? <sighs> Ooh. Gosh, um, <laughs> boy, that's a hard one to to think of. Uh, well, I'd I'd probably want like uh, maybe Bodie Miller or one of the Mayer twins uh, who grew up in in Washington State okay. and were medal winners in like 1984, maybe okay. in the Alpine events. Somebody there who could. You know, help me understand what the racers are going through. Um, and I'd want my lovely bride to be with me too. Awesome. That, She's a good tailgater. That, that's that's awesome. It's really, I mean, just <laughs> with the close of the Winter Olympics at Pyeongchang and to see these athletes, like you said, two minutes on that downhill 
but they put together everything we spoke about on that hill beforehand. They have a team of people helping them and and certainly the ones that are successful from any country are doing the things that we spoke about today. So uh, Winter Olympics are a great thing. All the events are, are, are fun to watch, but uh, there's something to be said. Uh, and anything with speed, the, the bobsled's one of my favorites. It's amazing how quick they well, go. They're all, uh, all those events that I think you have to be half crazy to, to participate in them. But, <laughs> you know, it's so different than baseball. And I was, I was with a group of kids uh, a week ago and sort of from a mental standpoint, talking about the challenges of, of baseball and, you know, there might be 30 minutes between, uh, you're at bats and that's a long time to wait to perform. And if you had a bat at bat in the previous uh, time up, that's a long time to beat yourself up. I mean, that's one of the things that I find so challenging about the game of baseball and golf is another sport like that. But the Olympic downhill is, uh, you can't, you know, you don't have a half hour to think about anything else. No. You know, the thing's over inside of two minutes. And if you are not dialed in for every second of that race, you, you know, something bad could happen. And uh, they're traveling at such high speeds, you know, and it's just such a different world from from baseball. Still a great sporting event, but and, and it's interesting, perhaps that you know, as a lifelong baseball guy, it's not a team sport I want to go to. It's not. I have no interest in <laughs> in uh, Super Bowl. I never watch football. Um, I I still love watching baseball. I get to watch a little more Major League Baseball nowadays than I did when I was uh, coaching full time, but. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely the Olympics. That's, that's, uh, those are my favorites. Oh, that's, uh, and, and with the downhill, I mean, I, I love how they really talk about before they actually take off through the gate, the visualization needed mm-hmm. and a lot of them go through the actual run before they do it. And while it's obviously much different than baseball, the, the impact of visualization and positive visualization certainly had, it had, uh, you know, a positive effect on those skiers and can help in the game of baseball as well. Mm-hmm. I agree with you totally. Coach, what would you like to leave our audience with today? Oh gosh. Uh, you know, I've just, I guess just the fact that, uh, well, I'm, I'm very flattered and honored that, uh, to be included in, in your podcast. And, uh, it's, I'm tickled that you found me and, that you found value in, in, uh, what I'm doing and something that I had written. Um, that's, that's precious to me. And, uh, you know, I, I just, the more I am around, uh, youth sports and I would just hope that we, we keep the game first and foremost about the kids. Um, I think sometimes that we as adults complicate things and, um, Youth sports are not in every way uh, heading in a great direction. I, I, this is this is me thinking out loud. I, mm. You know, there's just there's some things going on in youth sports today that are a little sideways for me, and it's it's uh, out of uh, adult interests and not so much uh, with the kids. So, you know, I, I would just want I'd want to keep the game for the kids and put them first and. Uh, I'd want people to know that sports can be 
a wonderful, wonderful training ground for for life. And uh, they've they've been great for me. It hasn't all been uh, easy. You know, most of the lessons that I've learned through sports are through my failures, and uh, had plenty of failures in the rest of my life too. And and sports have taught me to get up off the mat and and keep trying. Like you said earlier, the ability to take a punch and get up and become stronger. And mm-hmm. we we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And where can our, our audience find you? Well, uh, we are located in uh, Vancouver, Washington, just across the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon. And uh, our website is sperrybaseballlife.com. And uh, it's spelled S-P-E-R-R-Y, all one word. Excellent. And we will have links in the show notes to that. And uh, we just want to thank you for your time and uh, appreciate everything that you're doing to, to impact so many people and uh, everything with your Spirit Baseball life and and just having a, a, a real impact on others. And, and we appreciate your time today, Coach. Thank you very much. I was honored. Thank you. So much wisdom and life lessons can be learned from the game of baseball. Coach talks about the willingness to be responsible, how to bounce back from adversity after getting knocked down, how to handle success with humility and work ethic, staying accountable to yourself and your teammates by keeping home plate at 17 inches. Coach also provides us great examples of people who found a way regardless of what they were told, like Dustin Pedroia and David Eckstein. His analogy of hardware for physical skills and software for intangibles brings together a game plan for any coach and player. And this resonates in the quote that we discussed. The name on the front of the jersey represents who you play for. The name on the back represents who raised you. Do them both justice. Coach's great resources at SpeerieBaseballLife.com. And we thank him for coming on the show. And thank you for listening today. We ask if you like what you hear, Leave us a rating and review on iTunes and share the episodes of Foundations of Sports with family and friends who you think might be interested. We greatly appreciate your time and your efforts. You can find us at foundationsofsports.com, Twitter at Foundations Sport, and on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Foundations of Sports. See you next week, and as always, best to you and your families. Music.